Hi, and welcome to Mousebirds, your family vacation planning experts. Mousebirds is brought to you by the Tomorrowland Travel Authority Vacations Travel Agency. TTA Vacations specializes in helping you plan your Disney, Universal, and Cruise Line vacations. To take advantage of our free planning services, contact us at ttavacations at gmail.com. Our show hosts are your agents, so contact us to have us help plan your dream family vacation today. Hi, I'm Ron, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Laurel and Rachel. Hey! Hello! Today we're going to continue our intro to the park series with our must-dos, etc. for Disney's Hollywood Studios. And you got to forgive us if we call it MGM at any point. Just old habits die really, really, really hard sometimes. <laughs> uh, so for those of you who haven't listened to our previous episodes in the series, we're going to talk about how we start our mornings. We're going to give you three must-dos and then our dining picks. Quick service, table service, and a snack for the park. But since we're going to start uh, with what we do first thing in the morning, we're going to start with Laurel, because she hasn't started one of these before. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so in this particular case with this park, because this is kind of part of my must-dos, I am actually going to bypass my standard lackadaisical nature <laughs> of just sort of, you know, uh, trottling along through the park and, you know, in a relaxed state. Um, and, and the reason for this is because I'm going to literally, you know, head as quickly as possible with child in tow to um, go to Galaxy's Edge because I know that if I want to get one of my must-dos done, which is at least one of the rides for Galaxy's Edge, I need to get there right away to get in line for whichever one I'm going to be getting in line for, which I can strategize once I get there, or even uh, using the app as I'm entering the park and I can check the times. Um, and this is with the in, you know the intention that I'm probably coming to the park as close to rope drop as possible. Um, the other reason for this strategy is that Compared to some of the other parks, um, there's actually a much more like sprinkled around, you know, option for getting coffee at this park. Uh, there's probably 20 some odd locations you can actually grab a hot coffee. Um, and every single section of Hollywood Studios has um, at minimum two locations you can get hot coffee. And some of them even have unique locations you can get special cold brews by Joffrey. So for me, I will bypass my coffee need just so I can go and get that absolute special need done in Galaxy's Edge. And then if I have to get a coffee, there's a there's at least one place in Galaxy's Edge I can get a coffee. There's even, I think, a cold brew location. So that's my plan. All right. Uh, Rachel, what about you? Well, <laughs> all I have to say, Laurel, is priorities okay priorities um given i still have not been able to experience uh rise of the resistance in its full experience um i still don't feel extremely motivated to run <laughs> to get there uh especially since i feel like i probably would just attempt to buy a 
um, a lightning lane anyway for that. So for me, it's still going to just be coffee. My number one thing when I get into the theme park is coffee. And then, of course, as we all know me, a photograph. I must commemorate the the event, uh, an occasion of me arriving to the Hollywood Studios for the day with my family. And uh, somebody's got to take the picture, so you know it's going to be me. So I typically like to take the photo somewhere there on Hollywood Boulevard on the section side, closer to like where Hollywood, uh, where you can see like the Hollywood Tower of Terror. Uh, but that but there, but there are a couple of other areas there you could also do family photos. There's usually a couple of different photo pass people in the area. Uh, but I think that I prefer that side, probably because that's a little bit more nostalgic for me. And they don't have the background that it used to exist when we were kids down the main the main street. Uh, so it doesn't. With, with the uh, the Fantasia Mickey. Yeah, hat. when they used to. Yes, when they used to have the uh, the wow. Fantasia. Uh, That's not Mickey nostalgic. Hat. Actually, okay. I, I tend. I actually agree with you. Um, I would prefer a picture with the Tower of Terror on that section, yeah. as opposed to with the movie theater. It, only because I mean, I guess the movie theater visual actually is kind of relatively new even though it's been there forever. Oh, um, <laughs> but, but it, but it also is farther away. So typically where the photo pass pictures occur, you can't see it as well. Whereas, you know, the people down on Hollywood Boulevard, they're just always in the right spot. They know exactly where to put you to get that Hollywood tower of terror image right there. That's and true. I, I personally do have a lot of nostalgia with the Hollywood Tower of Terror. Um, I mean, I feel like I still remember when that opened <laughs> for the ah. first time uh, when we were kids. So for me, that's something that's really quite enjoyable. And, you know, I'm not going to knock the world out there of people who absolutely love the new ride, um, Mickey's Runaway Rail- Railway, uh, but it's not the ride that it used to be so i don't personally hold the nostalgia for the image of the grauman's chinese theater maybe them as what i did but as a kid yeah uh, so for me the only spot that really is worthy for family photo taking <laughs> or even special occasion photo taking is there on hollywood boulevard you um the the only other place i would say for family photos is of course in galaxy's edge there are actually quite a few areas that you can do some really fun photographs, but that is a hard ask to corral all your people all the way in the back into Galaxy's Edge for family photos. You got to be prepared. Yeah. No, so, um, so for me, my perspective is coffee first and then immediately right there because it's literally right there uh, across the street, I jump in line for a photo pass and I get my picture there with all the family there in front of the Hollywood Tower of Terror. Um, I, I, I do kind of agree that dashing to Galaxy's Edge is probably the best choice, but at the same time, I feel like everybody else is doing the same thing. So, you know, it's like you're either going to have to dash to, to uh, the Pixar uh, to the, the the Pixar Toy Story area, or you're going to have to go to to Galaxy's Edge. Uh, but either way, half the people are going to go one place, and half are going to go the other. So you're either going to, you know, you got to get in line for whatever the first ride is that I don't have a lightning lane for, <laughs> uh, or 
uh, did not buy an individual lightning lane for. So, you know, <laughs> but that that's typically what I feel like I must do at the beginning of the day. Um, yeah. And that plays into what you were, what you were just saying. It plays into what my morning is usually planned. Yeah. And like magic kingdom, I say, this is a park where if, unless you have a couple days to spend there, you need genie plus mm-hmm. to get everything done. Yeah. Uh, so I do suggest, you, you know, my first thing is get genie plus and if it's not breaking the bank, get the rise of the resistance one as well by the yeah. mm-hmm. for that more than any other individual lightning lane. I think it is worth it. It's worth the value worth uh, the time. As long as it's not like, you know, an extra 25, 30 bucks a person, I would do if it's under 20, I would do it. No yeah. problem. If you're not going to get it, you run right for it. And I mean, you have to be there at rope drop and go right there. Yes. It's so funny you're saying all this, Rachel, because um, I was like battling. I had an internal battle with myself when I was like, what, what, what is my morning? Because I would say for so long, my morning was head to the Tower of Terror area to get that family photo, to go on Tower of Terror and have our big family moment because of the nostalgia. And then I was like, you know what? No, I mean, and I kind of went through like a list in my head for all of the things that we could nostalgically connect with from our youth. And like, you know, clearly tower was a big one, but I just kind of realized, and I said to myself, I said, Laurel, this is not the park to be nostalgic at per se. Hollywood studios has gone through tons of changes and lots of different evolution over the last decade so I felt like for me, if I really want to focus on a day where I want to strategically get some of those really awesome, you know, developed experiences um, in terms of rides, I was like, this is the day I'm going to, I'm going to hustle and I'm going to go get those Galaxy Edge, Galaxy's Edge rides. Yeah. There. And if you buy the Lightning Lanes and Genie Plus, don't do Galaxy's Edge first thing in the morning. True. Head over and take care of Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster first thing in the morning. Yeah. Because or, everybody or, is running to, yeah, to Toy, Toy Story Land. And so if you're going to get Genie Plus, my recommendation is book your Genie Plus uh, for Slinky Dog Dash at some point during the day. And then do buy the Lightning Lane for Rise of the Resistance because it is worth it. It is one of the most spectacular experiences I've ever done on any ride in any park. It's, you know, top, like one of my top attractions anywhere. And it's worth it because it's also a long attraction. There's several components to the ride that you're in there for 20, 25 minutes. So it's not like say like Tron where you're going to spend 20 bucks and it's over in 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. Actually this, less 70 seconds. Yeah. This is a much better experience for your money. So book your genie plus for slinky dog dash buy the individual lightning lane for rise of the resistance. And then be a little leisurely in the morning and just, you can knock out tower of terror and rock and roller coaster with fairly minimal weights. If yeah. that's where you go first. And if you want to head to toy story, afterwards you could reasonably get in one or two of those rides with your genie plus pretty quickly 
Yeah, you could do those later in the afternoon with the regular that too, plus. That too. And, and, and it depends. Like, you know, we um, clearly would be a family who's probably going to do one, if not two shows of the Disney Junior show in a day, just because of our family's needs. Um, so knowing that, for instance, that show has specific show times and it does end earlier than other areas of the park uh, during the day. If you want to catch a show in the morning and you want to catch one in the you know afternoon, maybe after nap, um, then you know you kind of have to strategize those sorts of things as well. That is the biggest problem with this park is the shows and the scheduling of them because yes. there are, I'd say at least three to four major shows if you're counting Disney Junior Plus and Phantasmic. You might even have more. Uh, well, there's Frozen, you know, and there's Indiana Jones, Frozen, Indiana Jones, Beauty and the Beast, yeah. Disney Junior. If you consider the Muppet Show 3D, I mean that runs constantly. That's not on the schedule. True, but it does have a long loop. But I'm just saying that the long, the scheduled ones, like Mm -hmm. you have five shows that run on the schedule. Some of them are only in the morning. Some of them are only at night. So that Genie Plus really helps you. Yes, and can also be a hindrance. Like you have to keep that in mind when you're booking your Genie Pluses. Is this the last show? Am I going to be able to do all these things? This is a harder part to navigate in that sense than That's even true. Magic Kingdom, who has a lot more attractions. And sometimes see, the times for the shows change seasonally when they do know that there are going to be heavier crowds, but not always. Like you just can't you can't count on it, uh, especially since like certain areas of the park do, like I said, shut down a little bit early. So, and especially if they bring back something like Little Mer, if they bring back the Little Mermaid show, which. It's just sitting there like they haven't touched it since it closed for COVID, but they've replaced the billboard and stuff. It's just very weird how they've been handling that. I think maybe they've been waiting to see how the new uh, movie did did box office before they, you know, we're going to put the classic show in. Do they bring new Ariel in? My gosh, it'd be so well, it's good. you know, they have the new Ariel now. Yeah. They have a uh, meet and greet right now, which I, I don't know if it's going to be there by the time we get there in November. But if she's still there, woo, that's on my must-do list. Although I didn't add it to my must-do because I wasn't. Because you have to remember Hollywood Studios in particular compared to some of the other parks is a like very seasonal kind of park. They they do bring in char- extra characters throughout different seasons that are different and unique. They they do different kinds of streetmosphere shows and streetmosphere experiences that, you know, are seasonal uh, or temporary, I should say. And then they also utilize this park a lot for, you know, like uh, for promotional experiences, like if there are movies coming out or things like that. So hence why it makes a lot of sense that Ariel is at this park for the new movie. But knowing that you just can't always count on those seasonal things you know, when you're planning your trip six months in advance, best to sort of, you know, uh, maybe check like within a month or so before you go to see kind of what the scope is. Yeah, you could but, get the One Man's Dream movie at uh, Walt mm-hmm. Disney Presents, or you could get a preview for... Yeah, you could get like a 20-minute movie clip for, I don't know, Wish, if that, you know, if they want to do something yeah. like that. It just there, depends. There was one special experience that was happening at Hollywood Studios, one trip that I went on where me and my husband... We waited in line, I want to say, two hours for an experience. And I I will say there are not many things in the Disney canon I'm willing to wait two hours for. 
but it was it was to meet baby Groot. And it was an animatronic baby Groot. Uh, of course, Star-Lord was there too. And of course, he knew he was not the main event. Uh, but I have to say it was one of the coolest things I think I've ever done <laughs> in, uh, in, in the world of Disney style Hollywood kind of meet and greet kind of things. So that was a really fantastic experience at Hollywood studios, but you make a valid point that you never really know what's going to be there when you're there because they do kind of change things up during the seasons. Like I think right now they're doing special meet and greets with some uh, characters that are not normally out and about all the time. Like, like Max dressed as Powerline right now, but who knows if he'll still be there when we go in November. And at this point, there's an Indiana Jones like bar. Yeah, like, that, yeah. Pop up. You never know. Like so how long that's gonna be there. So, but you know, the fun, th- the nice thing about the seasonal, the temporary things is that, and there's a couple of pieces to this. It shows that Disney wants to experiment and try new things, and they have the landscape to do so at this park. Um, it also shows that you know, you can have new experiences at this park that you've never had before, which I do appreciate. I think as they continue to evolve, whatever the new landscape and scope of this park is going to be in the next, you know, like whatever the five-year plan is, at least they're trying to come up with alternatives and different things to try out and different experiences for people to have as they're kind of working through those plans. So, you know, it's still, still an awesome park to experience, even if they're, are things that aren't, you know, the same or if they, you know, they have seasonal things. So. And with that, I think what are our must do's, you know, seasonally uh, not considering it like Rachel, like what are your three must do's at this park? So I'm going to go back to what Laurel was saying, how she kind of had to battle her inner self in the sense of at Hollywood Studios, do I go all super nostalgia or do I do like all of the the amazing uh, hardcore rides, Um, especially since this is kind of the park that really has the most number of what you would, I guess, kind of call thrill rides Um, and I have to say, Laurel, I am surprised at you <laughs> only because, you know, for so long, you, you know, nostalgia, I mean, even, but, but you know what though, Laurel, I, I actually had the same thought whenever I was trying to come up with my list. I was, I actually really kind of had to stop and think to myself, what really means more to me? Um, especially because like the last time we went to Hollywood studios, I really didn't get to do a lot of the nostalgia things I really wanted to enjoy mostly because it had been so long since I'd been there because of the pandemic and just because of things going on in our lives. And so I, I I unfortunately had this huge list of stuff I had to do while I was there because I had, there was just a bunch of things I hadn't done before. Mm -hmm. So I really didn't get to do my nostalgia list. So this time I vow to do all of the crazy things that most people probably are going to think I'm nuts for, but these are the things that I, I love. And this is what my must do list is going to be. Um, my must do list really is basically not actually doing the rides at all. 
It's actually doing as many character meet and greets as possible and doing as many of the live shows as possible. Like basically prioritizing characters and shows. So So like characters, for instance, would you like that are there now that you would want to see? Oh my gosh. Well, of course you have to go and meet um, Sorcerer Mickey. Um, that is just a treat because he, he, that's a definite like nostalgia for you. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I, I absolutely love meeting Sorcerer Mickey. Now, Minnie is usually over there. Oftentimes she is dressed up as like a Hollywood style looking um, glamour Minnie. Sometimes she has a different kind of outfit, but but they kind of change her up a little bit. But you can always count on on basically Sorcerer Mickey being there. Um, they also usually have Olaf in his own, uh, you know, area near Frozen Singlong, which of course also brings to my list. Uh, Frozen Singalong is a must do for me, and it's it's amazing that I'm I have I'm seeing that. I, I never would have thought that because that's not exactly my first thought when I think of like nostalgia for myself. Except that the very first time I did it. I was just blown away at how much fun I had and how happy it made me and just how excited I was to be there with all these people and children, of course, singing the songs. And it's not like I'm a huge Frozen fan. I mean, I like Frozen just like the rest of the world. No, you know, no, no take that back, Rachel. When they sing Let It Go, everyone... Everybody, it's true, it's true. Fan, okay? You become you become a Frozen fan when it's time to sing Let It Go. Like, it doesn't matter. You you are singing it, and you're singing it to your, like, as loud as your heart's content. And then, of course, when the snow comes in, you're just, you know, it's just amazing. I'm very excited this year because I finally get to see it with the Christmas rendition. So, because it's a different Frozen sing-along. It's not your standard Frozen sing-along. So... Uh, I'm very excited for that. Uh, but of course, another must do for me uh, is Fantasmic. So I, but like I said, it, it, for me, it's really focusing on getting those character meet and greets. Of course, I won't even go into all of the Star Wars characters that you can see. And of course, two different sections of the park of Star Wars characters. I mean, not only is there BB-8 and Darth Vader and Chewbacca, you know, but then also when you're in Galaxy's Edge, you could potentially see not just Stormtroopers, but you could also see the Mandalorian. Uh, God, if, if, if we were so lucky to see Mandalorian and Boba Fett oftentimes is walking around over there as well. Um I mean, if I got to finally meet little Grogu with Mandalorian, I would just die. Um, that would that would make me so happy. I mean, but also, you know, in some ways, the animatronics in the newer uh, rides at Galaxy's Edge almost feel like a character meet and greet. I mean, goodness, Hondu in yeah. the um, like that. I, I swear to God, if he wasn't an animatronic, I would believe he was a, a, that he was real. Uh, probably one of the most effective. Uh, versions of uh, of taking a, a character that I that I originally only saw in a cartoon, and then basically taking him into life and making it feel real. I mean, I, I'm I'm always blown away. I don't love the ride. Smuggler's Run is okay, but I love when we get to the Hondu section. <laughs> so that part I really love. Um, but yeah, characters, shows. I would even do Indiana Jones and Beauty and the Beast because those, of course, are extremely nostalgic for myself. But I would totally skip all the rides and just focus on shows, character meet and greets, and of course, Fantasmic. 
I don't really need to see those two other shows that are in the main area that they do in the evening. Um, those are like, okay. But I, but I hold a huge nostalgia for Fantasmic. Um, I would even go and sit in the theater like an hour or two early if I had to just to see Fantasmic. But you know, there are also, there's also the other options like doing like a Fantasmic, uh, dining package too. But those are my must do's. I don't, I don't think it's as, Hard to get in as, or as hard to get a good seat as Disneyland's. Fantastic. Yeah, I, like yeah I agree. Disneyland shows better, but the setup they have for it is absolutely horrible. Yeah, that you just lose half of the walkway in uh, or, New Orleans, Orleans Square, and yeah, well, and 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 there's no seating. Yeah, so there's no arena seating at Disneyland, which also makes it more uncomfortable. Yeah, the amphitheater style of the show in so many ways, like adds to the like professional nature of the show. Like I'm sitting down to be entertained, you know, I think that like the fact that they don't have that, that it's a standing room only show in Disneyland in some ways kind of detracts from the experience, not because you're standing like in the physical part, but I think, you know, that you can't just like focus on the show, you know, but yeah, no, I, I think you have really great must-dos, Rachel. Well, two of them are my must-dos as well. Uh, Fantasmic uh, is an amazing show. Uh, as I said, I think I like the show a little better at Disneyland. Well, now they don't have their dragon, so let's <laughs> see about that when it comes back. But yeah, it's super nostalgic for me. Uh, it opened right after I moved to Orlando, right about the same time I started working for Disney. So I think in its first couple of weeks, I went like eight times to go see that show. Like in the that, that does not surprise me, Ron. <laughs> well, I mean, we were just we had annual passes. We were at UCF for school, so we would just drive over in the evening sometimes. Um, so I think it's a must do. I think it's a great way to end your evening. And yeah, you do have to get there a little early, but I think that's kind of a way to sit and relax a little bit as long as the sun's not blaring down midsummer on you like because if the show's at 8 30 and it gets dark at 8 30 it's still sunny till like 8 15 um the other one uh you also said was the frozen sing-along which i i think anybody who knew me would not have thought me to be into that show either but it's a lot of fun even if you're sick of the songs there are improv actors doing the uh, the jokes, yeah. They're, they're improv actors joking on stage. They're fun. We were last time on uh, May the 4th, and they were make, cracking Star Wars jokes during the that thing. Was, that was, yes, and yes. Obviously, one of the main reason I think it's a must do for me is just Andy. Yeah, she I just it adores so the show. Uh, and so, those are that. My third one is. I, you know, we all said we've all talked about Rise of the Resistance. I think everybody would consider that a real must do, but we've all talked about it, so it's not on my list. But the Tower of Terror is still one of the best produced attractions, story wise, through wise. Agreed. Approach to the attraction, the pre show, the attraction itself, like if you're the first time you're on it and that elevator moves laterally, like not just up and down blows people's minds and it is just almost flawless as an attraction. Yeah. Uh, And you, and you know, what also really makes it is the cast members too. Like, I mean, they really, they really play it up. They ham it up like to a a level where you're, you're just like, 
you're with it. You're you're totally into it. Even I don't even know anybody could go on that ride and not just kind of go gaga for it. Uh, just because of the fact that everybody else around you is has such an infectious spirit about it <laughs> that you kind of can't help but just love it. I enjoy from time to time um, looking at all of the different photo ride, the, the ride photos for that ride. There's like a, a, bu- a bunch of different blogs that you can and blogs you can look at with all the different um, Tower of Terror photos. They're pretty hilarious. I always used to strike the Zeus pose. Yes. Uh, in the middle of that. But yeah, it's those those are my must-dos. Uh, you know, I actually don't think I've gotten Tower of Terror the last couple times I've been there just because of having the little one in tow. And I think I really missed that right. The one when they when they switched it out in California Adventure to be uh, Mission Breakout, people were up like were upset. But the Tower of Terror there was never as good just because it doesn't have that it's fifth dimension scene. Yeah. So yeah. it never really lived up to the same hype. So I think that is just as good as our tower now, but. It oh, I, I, I think mission, mission breakout there at Disneyland was an absolute better, better solution than what was the, t- than their version of Hollywood tower. Yeah, tower yeah. For sure. I agree. Actually. Anyway, it's a great improvement, but I think this tower should needs to stay this way just because I agree. It's unique. None of the other towers and any of the other parks were able to copy it. Like uh, Paris and California were the same. And then Tokyo's got its whole thing that's different, which is cool. It ties into the society of explorers and adventurers and all that. But uh-huh. the, the way this tower is unique makes it a must do yeah. for me. Uh, so Laurel. I like that. I like that. Well, I said earlier that one of my must-dos was to get one of the rides done at Galaxy's Edge. Now, let's be fair. I have my must-dos on this list, but I'm, I'm a pretty relaxed person in general. You know, if I don't, if something gets missed or something happens in my day, you know, I, I like to go into things with an open mind. Let's just say it that way. I have a lot more fun when I go in with an open mind, which is the possibility that things aren't going to work out the way that I want. So anyway, my intention is to get to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and get one of the two rides done, either Millennium Falcon or Rise of the Resistance. I say this because I feel like every time I have gone, one of them has gone down like half of the day, a.k.a. Rise of the Resistance. So if I at least get Millennium Falcon done, I feel accomplished. I feel like I've gotten my Star Wars, you know, feelings out um, and so there's at least that. So I'm fine if I get one of them done. So that is my must do. Obviously, prefer both. Um, my I also put Frozen Sing Along as one of my must dos, and and I'll not just because of Andy and how she loves it, uh, but she certainly does. She's obsessed with Frozen. She'll make anybody a Frozen fan, that's for sure. But I also just really love that they took something that was probably one of the most annoying things you know like they took the they basically it's very meta this show right like they they realized that the parents are really tired of the songs and the kids wanted to watch the movie every single day for like a year so they basically turned it into a fun campy spirited experience that parents can now go and enjoy. I can't say yes. 
and like, kids uh, and, ki- I, and, and, and kids are so oblivious to it. They, yeah, they don't, the they don't understand. Um, but yeah. So I remember the first time I went to see it and I, the, my favorite moment was when they were about to start singing, let it go. And then one of the hosts goes, dad, this one, no dads, this one's for you. And I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> of course, of course. But yeah, so it was great. I enjoyed, I would totally, I will, I will, work around my whole schedule to make sure I get one of those shows in for my day. And then my last also, I had Fantasmic, but for me, it's not just Fantasmic. If I don't get a chance to see Fantasmic, I'm fine. If I go to see the movie magic, like whatever their current studios show is, that is the mapped show on the ground, Grandma's Chinese theater. I think right now it's the wonderful world of animation, but it does. Yeah. Have- it depends and there's sometimes re- like iterations or different versions if they're running any at all yeah that's true yeah. so definitely important at this particular park to make sure you've gotten the list of times and schedule for the shows um that don't just rely on your you know app i always well but th- but this is what i was saying earlier like and, and ron kind of pointed it out earlier because of the interesting arrangement of the show times with all the different types of live entertainment at Hollywood Studios, it's very difficult to really get all of them in because uh, so many of them overlap. Yes. So you really do have to prioritize it. So like that's why I'm like for myself, I, I could totally like just prioritize for a whole day doing just the live shows and character meet and greets. And I would be happy as long as I get all those live shows in and character meet and greets. Of course, I'd have to throw in the Disney junior. And then of course the, you know, the cars um, show as well, because I got to please my two year old. So, you know, I agree. We had to go see the cars show and the Disney junior show because of our child. Although I will tell you, that song from the Disney Junior show is kind of an earworm. I've just I've been humming it almost this entire time as we are. You know, recording. I, so. I, I'll, I, I'll admit this last trip where we went to Hollywood Studios, I did do things I'd never done before because I had toddler in tow. And um, I actually really I really liked both of those shows. I thought they were both really enjoyable. The only thing I didn't love is that my toddler wouldn't sit still. So I had to run around the entire uh, Disney Junior studio (laughs) several times. Um, (laughs) Yeah, because my child was not willing to to sit down and uh, and, you know, or or be in any type of uh, stance to dance. He just wanted to to run around versus dance. So, um, so that, that part was a little challenging, but you know, you don't underestimate the power of a bubble and light and sing along show. Oh yes. If Hollywood has taught me anything, don't underestimate that. Okay. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, And he, he of course had a, had a ball. He really loved the car show too, which that was, I think the very first time he actually had experienced anything in the actual cars world ip of disney yeah so but it's definitely blossomed he absolutely loves cars now he loves everything cars so loves cars anything cars universe um 
she liked the Cars universe before we took her to that show. And the first time, you know, she really enjoyed it. Although I will preface by saying that that is not as an as much of an interactive show as like the Disney Junior show or the Frozen show. Uh, but um, if you can, if you have children that can sit through it, it's super fun, super worth it. Oh my God. I think, I think if I recall, I remember um, Fitz was mesmerized uh, at the Cars show. I don't think he knew what he was like seeing. Yeah. It it definitely feels like that. But like he did the same thing at the Frozen sing-along. He just had, you know, I think he got a little frustrated because he was still strapped to me in his, um, uh, in his baby carrier. But he, of course, still really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, should we move on to meals, meal time at Hollywood Studios? You can go ahead. <laughs> okay. I'll go ahead. All right. So I'm going to start with counter service. So I'm going to start with Fairfax Fair, which is a part of the marketplace outdoor uh, section of the different little uh, counter service restaurants on Hollywood Boulevard. The reason why I chose this is because the majority of the counter service, although perfectly, you know, fine at this park is like your typical food items like burgers, hot dogs, sandwiches, etc. You know, everything's delicious, but it's not unique or interesting. So um, I, I like to try to something that's just a little bit different. But at the same time, I also want to go someplace that doesn't have a plant-based or vegan vegetarian option that isn't just a salad, which they usually in this area have some kind of plant-based item that is delicious. That is not, you know, just rabbit food. So that is why I chose Fairfax fair. Um, also for me, I, I always want to, if I'm going to counter service, I'm, I want to be cognizant of whatever the kids meals are that are available I find at this park, most of the counter service restaurants have a more limited menu than some of the other parks. Um, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of reasons for that, but, but oftentimes you will find that the kids menu only has maybe like two entrees, you know, maybe it's macaroni and cheese and maybe it's chicken nuggets, or maybe it's a cheeseburger and a grilled cheese. So you definitely want to be cognizant of whatever kids' meals are available if you plan on purchasing something for your kid and you know that they're a picky eater. Uh, so that is why I have chosen Fairfax Fair for my uh, my uh, counter service. And your table service? Oh, yeah. Um, table service. I chose Hollywood and Vine, but specifically breakfast. Strategically... I chose breakfast because this is where they have the Disney Junior characters. So the alternative character meal for lunch and dinner is available at Hollywood and Vine, which is like Minnie and Friends. And and that's fine, you know, if you want to have a meal with Minnie or Mickey. Actually, I'm not sure if Mickey's there, but it's definitely Minnie and Friends. So I chose Disney, Disney Junior because my daughter is super obsessed with Disney Junior stuff. <laughs> Um, and on top of that, I've been to both meals over the years, and I don't know what it is about the Disney Junior characters, but the kids go crazy. I mean, when Vampirina steps out, it's as if the celebrity of the year is out, and the kids are going nuts. The energy at the breakfast for Disney Junior is so above par 
that it makes you want to be a Disney Junior fan. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm a, now I'm a super fan because every time <laughs> I see a Disney Junior character, I just see so many kids who are obsessed. Um, the other thing about this, too, is that if you don't think you're going to have time to catch the Disney Junior show or the Disney Junior character meet and greets, then at least you've gotten some experience with your Disney Junior characters and you've sort of, you know, sufficed that need. So that is my strategy behind Hollywood and Vine Breakfast Disney Junior. And then oh, uh, you, you also didn't you also didn't point out the fact that at Hollywood and Vine, you could go there multiple times and get a different experience every time, no matter what meal you're at, because lunch and dinner in particular, those characters are also seasonal. So they change costumes. Sometimes they change costumes. Yep. It is true. Very true. I mean, I've personally never eaten at Hollywood and Vine. Uh, It's been on my list for a long time to eventually eat there. Um, But, but yeah, it's always, it's always seemed like an intriguing experience to me. Is the food good? Yeah. So the, Keep in mind, most of the character breakfast meals that are available that are in-park meals are almost like the same menu, give or take. Like there are a, a few variances across the parks, like Akershus has a few special items and, you know, Ohana, like which is outside of the park, has a few special items. But really, like most of the breakfasts are really similar. So if you're the kind of person who's really concerned about whatever the quality or the the variety of foods are going to be on, on one of the family available buffets. Breakfast is always a safe choice because it's pretty consistent across the board and, you know, it's reasonably delicious. Um, and you really, you know, you really can't mess up certain breakfast food items. Plus my daughter's obsessed with pancakes and usually enjoys waffles. So, you know, for us, like we can generally get by with a breakfast buffet. Um, well, it wasn't a buffet when we were there last. So that is true. The last time we were there during the pan uh, during the pandemic, they did a family style like uh, they did like an entree, and then they had like family style sides or something. Yeah, it was kind of like a unique situation. I will say it was still really delicious, and we enjoyed it. It was better than I expected. It never had a good rep for food, but it was one of those ones I've heard the food over the last few the years. years. That's actually a few of the places at this park, like. Uh, the ABC commissary is one that uh, really supposedly improved. Yes, I saw, I, but it, and it's funny you say that. And I look at the menu every time because I say to myself, so maybe I got to give ABC commissary a try again. And I, every time I see that it's just a salad or sometimes like a soup and a salad available. And if I want like a lighter lunch, which is usually the case for me, I like to do a heavier breakfast and then a lighter lunch. And then, so like, I usually reserve my lunch a lot for like whatever my plant-based meal is going to be. So yeah. So then I kind of, I get deterred one, but you know, if Disney's listening, which I'm sure they're maybe one day will, but if they are, I would really like to see that they expand on some different kinds of plant-based options besides the salad. But yeah, so Hollywood Vines definitely one not to scoff at, especially if you like a character meal now for the dinner and the lunch, um, yeah, the menu has t- changed a lot over the years. For a while, they were doing some uh, different kinds of Italian, or I would say like American Italian items. And then they sort of moved into some more, more like what I would say like Americana kinds of entrees. Um, but I'm not really sure what they're doing now since we're in like this post-pandemic phase or like even like what the quality is. So definitely 
but still something to think about. And, and you can do a fantastic dinner package. That's true. And Hollywood and Vine is included and available for a Fantasmic package, which definitely might be recommended if you know for sure you want to go to Fantasmic and you you know don't want to stand in line. Yeah, those dining packages, they're usually just a couple bucks more than getting the meal on its own. So it's I think if you know you're gonna eat and that show's important to you, it's worth it. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and then for my snack. I am choosing Oga's Cantina. I know you have to get a reservation to go in and get this snack, so it's something to remember. But I am choosing the blue milk with the cookie. Uh, that is my snack, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, you, you mean the you mean the blue bantha? Mm-hmm. Yep. The blue milk with the cookie. The cookie is divinely delicious, and with the blue milk, it's like a perfect pairing. And uh, I I don't know how to explain it, but I think that the blue milk inside Oga's Cantina tastes better than the one that's available in the park. So I don't know. You tell me, the public. Tell me if they feel the same. <laughs> and uh, that is my list. What about you, Ron? Uh, I'm going... I had a tough time with the table service because... There are three table services I really love at this park. Uh, two of them for the atmosphere with decent to good with good food, and one of them just has great food. But I'm going to pick the sci-fi dining because for, for table, <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised, Ron. <laughs> um, it's mostly like a burgers and sandwiches kind of place, but the atmosphere is amazing. You're sitting in replicas of cars, so you're. It's not the best for a family because people are going to be separated. If you're uh, more than two, you're going to be, it's a little hard to talk. Uh, you can, you have to just turn around. Um, but you're watching old trailers and clips from B movies and TV shows and all kinds of spacey themed stuff from like the 50s and 60s. And it's just a lot of fun. And the food is really good. The milkshakes are really good. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard to get into, so we haven't gone in a few years. That's true. It's one of those sought-after um, ADRs for sure. But it's a, it's a great place. I do recommend it for that reason. One big problem with a lot of the table service in this park is getting indoor, like, AC seating. Like, your Fairfax Fair, and then everyone at Sunset Sorry, Market. just to go back. You said table service. I'm sorry. The, the, the counter service is a big problem of getting a place you could be in air conditioning. Yeah. Uh, and ABC Commissary and Backlog Express are the main ones for that. But the food is not the best in those, in my opinion. It's fine yeah. and perfectly edible. If that's your priority for seating, go ahead and do it. But even like Docking Bay 7 over in Star Wars, I was considering not great for... Uh, there's not the, there's not a ton of seating in there. Yeah, that's a lot of. And seating. the one that has a lot of seating is bad pizza over at Pizza Rizzo. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm actually going for it's almost a snack stand, but Ronto Roasters. They really only serve one item and a vegetarian version of that item. And during the morning, for very limited time, a breakfast version of the same item, which is the Ronto Wrap, which is a sausage kind of 
like pita wrap kind of thing. And it's delicious. It's unique and it's really, really good. And the breakfast one is really, really good too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is they close a little early sometimes or the park's not too busy. They do close, you know, mid afternoon, early. So you're not going to be able to get it for dinner. And it's a limited menu, but I really like the item. And I think it's, uh, for me specifically, since we almost always get a table service meal at this park, more than any other, I think we always eat at a table service here. So this is a good item for me to get and go when we're like, because it's just a like a hot dog sized item that I could have a bigger table service meal at the other part of the day. So that's that. And for my snack is an item that's changed a little bit over the years, moved its location a few times, but it's still good. It's not quite what it used to be because I think the portions of the cake defrosting have changed, but the carrot cake cookie, uh, I believe it's a Troy Park Cafe now, is basically a carrot cake whoopie pie. It's delicious. It's I liked it a little better when the cookies were a little thinner and there was more of the cream cheese frosting, but it's still a very, very good snack and it's shareable in size or if you just want to eat it on your own, it's still a reasonably priced item. Um, And that's my snack. (laughs) Uh, Those all sound great, Ron. I mean, we, I can't, I can't say enough amazingly positive things about sci-fi dine and theater. I agree with you though. It's a tough one. It's not only a tough place to get a reservation, but it's also not the most practical location for a larger family group. So it's really ideal if you're going to be in like a group of two or four people. Um, But anything larger than that can be a little bit challenging there. Um, so I guess I'll go and do my list now of my of my dining choices. Um, so my my usual rule of thumb when it comes to dining in general at at all of the uh, at all of the Disney World parks is I really do try to eat someplace eat at someplace new or try new foods. Um, because I really, there, there's just so many different things to choose from. So why go back and do the same thing when I could have an opportunity to do something fresh and, and excitingly new. So given that the, uh, Roundup Rodeo Barbecue has finally opened in, uh, the Toy Story portion of the park, I would say that that's probably would be my first choice of place to try and do a table service dining, uh, especially because it's not just barbecue. They also really kind of play up the theme of it. Uh, They really kind of make you feel as if you are a toy that is seeking shelter from the backyard and getting some grub. And they also kind of remind you that you're a toy by oftentimes there are moments uh, where Andy is maybe coming in the room. So then you all have to be silent. Uh, There's, there are also situations where there might be like false alarms, like maybe mom's coming by. And so now we got to freeze. So there's, they really, they really ham up the experience. And I, I absolutely love a restaurant with a theme uh, and, and love a restaurant that, that really pushes the themes boundaries. So 
so definitely it, it seems like an interesting restaurant and they also offer vegan and vegetarian options, Laurel. I, so, I saw that on their menu. I, I know like, I, like eventually we're going to have to go eat there. Um, now my quick service, um, I, I think we've kind of all said this before. We oftentimes really eat at the table service restaurants at Hollywood studios. And so I don't feel like we really have many opportunities sometimes to do much quick service or snacks even for that matter. So, um, I actually have put for my quick service baseline tap house because one, I've never been there and I've been wanting to go there for so long. Um, I still don't, I don't remember why we didn't get a chance to go last time. I think it's just, there's just not enough hours in the day. And, uh, I really, really want to go to Baseline Tap House just because I really want to try out the different brews that they have on tap. But I also really want to try their humongous pretzel. Yeah, the, the food looks elevated. Yes, yes. The food absolutely looks elevated. And, and, and yes, there is a portion of that particular quick service area that has an indoor section and an outdoor section. Uh, I don't believe all of it has seating. So you, there is a little bit of area with AC and you are probably standing for some of the, for some or not most of the time that you're there, but it does at least seem like an experience that I would enjoy. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing that my child would enjoy. So it might be that I have to go over there on my own and maybe my child and husband go off and do a ride or something. <laughs> but that, but I do really want to try and go there on this next trip that we, that when we go in November for sure. Now the snack was really kind of a tough one for me because like I said, I don't really feel like I actually get much opportunity to eat snacks at Hollywood studios. Um, I, I sometimes go in with these grandiose ideas of things I really want to try and get while I'm there. But then oftentimes I never really get to because I fill up at the table service meal or I end up just eating snacks uh, in the stadium while waiting for Fantasmic at the, at the end of the night. So, you know, it, it, it it's either a Mickey pretzel for my dinner and nachos uh, or, or, or table service meal. But I, I really do want to make an effort to try and get a particular snack that uh, definitely has excited me when it, once it first opened, which, of course, is at the Woody's Lunchbox. Um, I am not what I would call a huge Pop-Tart fan. In fact, I would say that most of the time I find Pop-Tarts abhorrent. Um, but uh, when I was pregnant, I had a very strange craving suddenly one day where I absolutely just could not survive if I did not get uh, strawberry frosted Pop-Tarts. <laughs> so, so, and I, I don't, I, I still know where, I know where it came from. I think a commercial had come on to... <laughs> Onto the onto the television I was watching while while working one day, and for whatever reason I had it in my mind I had to have pop tarts, and so then uh, my poor husband and then had to go out and get me pop tarts, otherwise I was going to kill him. Um, I was seriously going to kill people for for pop tarts, and and I really don't like pop tarts. It's not really my thing, but since that experience. My mind has been a little more open to Pop-Tarts. And so I really do want to try one of their uh, versions of like the lunchbox tart. So like they do different. Yeah. They're good. Yeah. Different ones that they've had over time. A couple of different ones at at least. (laughs) 
Yeah, yes, I, I have heard. And they decorate them and make them interesting looking. They do different flavors for the different seasons. So uh, I do definitely want to try and, and try and get one of those. Um, but, you know, that they're, I, I will say that when it does come to snackery, um, I tend to go for a lot of the sweet snacks in particular, just because I think Disney really just knows how to create a really elegant looking dessert style item. So a lot of those quick service places are the, are the, are the places you have to go to really find those really fun, uh, interesting snacks. So like going to ABC commissary or backlot express, a lot of times they're the places that are going to have the interesting items. So those are definitely the places to look into. Um, and now that mobile ordering exists, my goodness, you could just do that on while waiting in line yeah. for a ride now and then you could just go and pick up your order as soon as you're done um i mean honestly we did we do need to make more of an effort on this next trip to try and uh focus on on snacks and quick service because of the fact that we know we never do those things at hollywood studios we're always so focused guys we're too focused on trying to get things done at hollywood studios we got to really just slow it down a bit we say you know? that every time we're going to slow well, it down <laughs> Have the time on this next trip. Yeah, true. Um, well, I think that sounds like we've kind of wrapped up Hollywood Studios in a bow. Yeah, uh, there's a lot to do in this park. And planning this park for you and your family is a tough thing. And that's one of the reasons, you know, to consider a travel agent for us to talk it over and give you that advice. So you heard the ad at the beginning of this episode uh, all three of us are travel agents with the Tomorrowland Travel Authority Travel Agency. So, really, if you want advice on Hollywood Studios, you know, give us uh, an email at ttavacations at gmail.com and, you know, book with us and we will sit down and help you plan how to do these days like that. So, uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Mousebirds. On behalf of myself and my co host, uh, Rachel and Laurel. Uh, thank you guys for listening and have a good night. Good night. Thank you very much. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs>